As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new iOS app for New York Times news subscribers. It's got The Athletic NBA Show, plus all the other great podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrative articles, and more. New York Times Audio. Download it now at nytimes.com slash audio app. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. Playoffs are still going on. Very interesting stuff. Nikola Jokic has, has been incredible. But we're not we're gonna talk about a different team. Got my co-host Alex Spears with me. Alex, what's up? Hi, Andrew. We're talking about two teams today that are not a part of the playoffs currently. We're talking Blazers and Pistons today, and to talk about the Blazers. We, uh, we called on our guy, our Blazers guy for Slam and Jam, Sean Hyken. You can find Sean's writing about the Blazers at rosegardenreport.com or listen to him on the Rose Garden Report podcast. Sean, how's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm still in Chicago. I was here all week for the combine and the lottery. So it's, 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 been, a, it's been an interesting week on the beat that I cover. Yeah. Any, anything interesting from the combine itself that you'd like to share? Oh, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I don't watch any college basketball, so I'm not the one to ask about draft guys. And when I'm at these events, I'm more so talking to people than I am watching like the scrimmages that are going on on the court. So, you know, you you, you talk to people, you hear some things. The most interesting thing that happened to me this week was I was actually one of the media members that was in the room for the lottery drawing, which I've never done before. So... That was kind of, it was kind of cool to be in the room. Obviously, this was the year to do it because everybody was waiting to see where Victor Wembanyama was going to go. But yeah, you know, the 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 Blazers contingent, uh, Sergei Oliva, one of their assistant GMs, was the guy they had in the room. OK, and he was in a pretty good mood after 
They yeah. moved up from five to three, which, you know, obviously everybody wanted Wemby, but moving up into the top three is not the worst place in the world to be. Wow. Uh, was anybody snacking on anything back there? Or people just they had so just kind sh- of a standard spread of just kind of, you know, you know, sandwiches and just whatever, like bags of chips, sodas. It wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. It was just they just kind of had a standard spread. Any uh, te- anybody from any team like nervously snacking on like carrots or something that you know, we weren't we weren't close enough to because they had the, they had us in one section okay. and then they had the team representatives up in a different section. So I wasn't really mm. able to see what everybody was eating. I think the most notable thing from the reactions is that Brian Wright, the Spurs general manager, like barely reacted when they got called for the number one pick. He just did like a little mm. fist pump and that was about it. <laughs> Uh, well, Sean, the Blazers did not land Victor Wembanyama, but they did move up two spots to the third spot in the draft. The immediate talk nationally was about whether the Blazers should trade Damian Lillard and build around the third pick and Shaden Sharp. Uh, you and others covering the Blazers have been quick to push back against that idea. What do you think people are missing when they are immediately jumping to trading Dame? I generally think, and I mean, there are a few times when this is you know uh, there there are situations where it's different but i generally think that a gm trading your best player for the quote-unquote picks and young players package i usually think that's kind of a scam that they just kind of run on ownership in order to keep their job security up because then if you do that you can say hey you can't fire me for five more years because i have to uh, you know, build this team. Now, it's it's a little bit like Oklahoma City, I think, is a little bit of a different situation because both Paul George and Russell Westbrook wanted to go and Sam was happy to take the picks. But I've never, like, this idea that, you know, you know, we have this guy and he's making a lot of money and he's in his mid-30s and, you know, even though he's the best player in franchise history and he's still had just, you know, arguably the best year of his career and made all NBA, we should, you know, trade him and, you know, get picks and build around, you know, somebody that might one day possibly be as good as Damian Lillard, but you don't know that he's going to be as good as Damian Lillard. I just, and the other, the other thing, I mean, the thing to me with Dame that I think a lot of people are kind of taking for granted is all the other stuff. Like obviously on, on the court, he is still as good as he is, but yeah, all of the organizational stuff and the cultural stuff and the locker room stuff, I don't think people really want to see what that's going to look like if he's gone as much as they think that they do. And I think that there's this idea that just because Oklahoma City has turned it around pretty quickly and Utah has turned it around pretty quickly, that that's always how it goes when you trade your franchise player for picks and young players. More often than not, you're what the Orlando Magic were for 10 years after they traded Dwight Howard or what the Timberwolves were after they traded Kevin Garnett. Like, do you guys really want that? I mean, maybe Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller or whoever, or Shaden Sharp someday is as good as Dame, but like, you know, are, are you so sure about that? Like Shaden Sharp was awesome for the last month of the season. Are you so sure that that means he's going to be a future hall of famer that you're going to trade a top 75 player of all time to just reorient everything around him. Okay. All right. You can do that if you want. I can tell you that's not where, the Blazers organization's head is at right now. That's not the mindset that they're operating under. Yeah, I mean, me and Andrew, obviously, we're, we're Thunder fans, so we're tank-brained to the max. And so I certainly, like, empathize with people who who are thinking that way. But there's two things for me. Like, the fact that no one from the team, none of the beat reporters, Dame, 
they've all been so like in lockstep this entire time about what the plan is for this for the future of this team and it seems like a lot of times people just don't listen and then the second thing is i have yet to see a fake dame trade that even would make sense for portland and that that's seems the like other a big thing, component. That's the other thing that people like when when they when you you know you can throw out this hypothetical. Yeah, like you should you should you should trade Dame and blow it up and get some picks and young players. The part that nobody can ever answer is what's the trade and why would Portland do it? Because the stuff right, that yeah. I the the ones that I've seen thrown out there, like yeah, the Blazers are going to trade Damian Lillard coming off an All NBA season for Tyler Hero and like mid first round picks five years <laughs> right. out into the future. Oh okay, yeah, what, what yeah, like, that why do? bother? What is that going to do for them? Like it, like it's, it's, it's. I think that I, I and I, I'd be interested in your guys' perspective on this as somebody who, as guys who follow the NBA very closely and cover a lot of this stuff and pay attention to a lot of the conversations around this stuff. I think that the lasting legacy of the decision 13 years ago is that people at the time when they were like, oh, LeBron is a coward. LeBron is, you know, this hurts his legacy that he left Cleveland to go to Miami and team up with guys. I think that in retrospect, those takes have aged so badly that people have kind of overcorrected the other way. And now anytime there's a player on a team, especially in a small market, that maybe isn't like a title favorite, people just default to, oh, this guy needs to go or they need to trade this guy and rebuild because they're not going to win a title. And to the point where people think it's weird when that isn't what happens. Like, it, like does, does yeah. that make sense? But that's kind of something like, I feel like all we talk about now is like, which stars are going to ask for trades? You know, what, what the play? Like, I feel like people care about that now more than the games. I think that if Dame were to go to... Joe Cronin and to ownership and say, look, you know, we tried, it's time. Let's go get me somewhere else. I think that if he were to do that, they would be willing to work with him and get him somewhere he wants to go and, and, you know, do right by him. But until he asks for it, that is not something that they're thinking about doing. Like they, yeah. they like, they're not going to Blake Griffin him. They're not going to, they just signed him to this extension. They're not going to be like, oh, you know, best player in franchise history. Let's just trade you because you're on a big contract and you're getting older. Like that's, that's not how they operate. And like, honestly, like we just saw like the Sixers did the whole process, you know, tanking, we're reordering everything around picks. How many conference finals have they made? Yeah. I, I well, what you just brought up, I was thinking about Dirk. Yeah. Because, I mean, social media wasn't as developed as it is now, but I don't remember back then this obsession with like, we got to get Dirk out of Dallas. Like he's never going to win in Dallas. Because it was all pre-decision. The decision is when that all changed, I think. Yeah. Because after that, like immediately following the decision, then we had Carmelo forcing his way to New York. We had, uh, I think Chris Paul was after that going from New Orleans to the Clippers and then Dwight Howard going to the Lakers. And it just kind of... Every year, there's one or two guys at that level, and now it's. I'll I'll, ne I'll never forget this. I was uh, watching the Bucks on Christmas Day of twenty. I this would have been 2019 Christmas Day. They I forget who they were playing, but they had the early game on Christmas. Giannis is the reigning MVP. They just lost in the Eastern Finals to Toronto, and yeah, yeah, they have the the best record in the East at that point on Christmas. 
the entire pregame show of this this Bucks game on Christmas on ESPN is not just this was before he had signed the extension when there was still like a lot of talk about his right. future. It was not just like speculating about it. Like people on the panelists on the show or whatever on Countdown were actively saying, oh, he needs to leave. He needs to, like, they were like actively advocating him for him to leave and go to where, you know, Dallas or Miami or wherever. And it's just like, right. I don't know. I think I think that's uh, I. I think that. I, I don't I don't know I have I have a lot of thoughts and like when I when I was younger right when I hadn't done this as much I used to be a lot more about like the asset management and the like oh they need to trade this guy and you know get, get draft picks because he's older than 31 but, but I don't know man it's like it, and especially with the way that the west is right now like I think they feel like you know they're not going to get Giannis or Joel Embiid or you know somebody like that this summer but I think uh you know if if you know if they can if they trade the third pick for somebody then uh they you know they they feel like I may maybe they could be this year's kings and be the three seed mm-hmm. well I wanted to ask I mean, you because oh go ahead I was just gonna say that NBA fans are much more about the soap opera dopamine rush stuff more than they uh-huh. are about the game yeah you know they, yeah. they love the soap opera of it it's way more interesting if dame wants to go somewhere else because it disrupts things and it's yeah all these little talking points here if he just wants to if he actually does just want to stay there's no Which, drama i don't that. know how many times he has to say that in every single interview that he, he hasn't said it people. enough sean he needs a few more times and this is something that also annoys me too because he, I, I mean, a couple of different times this this past season, because I mean, you, you know, you always see the clips that like go viral on like the JJ Reddick podcast or like whatever podcast he's on or you know whatever else the case may be, where uh, he, you know, he gets asked about it. The clip gets aggregated, you know, the, and it, and it's like Damian Lillard talks about why he wants to stay in Portland, and then you see all the quote tweets that are like, "Enough with Dame, with Dame saying how loyal he is. Like that's great. You don't need to tell us." All. And it's like. Dame does not seek out telling people that people keep asking him about it because most people who cover the NBA and are like interviewing, you know, Dame on these things have no creativity. And that's the only thing they know how to ask him about. And then he gives the same answer he always gives. And that clip gets circulated and people get mad at him for not saying what they want him to say. And like, I've talked to Dame about it. Dame is sick of getting asked about it. Dame would be perfectly happy to never be asked about it. He said what he has to say about it. And then until that changes, there's no reason to keep asking him about it. Yeah. So at it, exit interviews, uh, Dame made it pretty clear what his feelings are about the future direction of the team. He said, quote, I don't have much of an appetite for bringing in guys two and three years away from really going after it. Yes. Last year, in the run-up to the draft, there was a lot of talk about the Blazers potentially trading the number seven pick. And then they ultimately decided to draft Shaden Sharp. Yes. Do you think there's any chance that similar to last year, Krona decides to both keep the pick and not trade Dame? Or would it have to be one or the other, in your opinion? I don't want to say there's no chance that that happens because nothing is 0% chance of happening. But mm-hmm. I would be stunned if that if they was kept the pick. how it went. I mean, it's a little bit of a different thing when you have the number seven pick especially in last year's draft where like, first of all, nobody in last year's draft is as even putting Wemby aside because, you know, Wemby once San Antonio got Wemby that, you know, take that out of the conversation. But 
from what I've taught from people I've talked to, Scoot Henderson would pretty easily go number one in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. And so having a top three pick in that draft is a little bit of a different thing than having the number seven pick. You know, you can get different stuff for it in a trade. They talked pretty seriously with Toronto right up until they were on the clock about OG Ananobi. And I think Toronto just like wanted more other stuff in addition to the pick for OG and mm-hmm. They decided not to do that, and they just kept the pick, and they were really high on Shaden Sharp's upside, and I think they, in retrospect, are pretty happy that they did that. I can tell you that Dame was not thrilled that night when they did that. He, Because hmm. even though they had just done something the night before and gotten Jeremy Grant, which is a guy that he had wanted for a long time, and he was really happy with that, he would have preferred if they had traded the pick for OG or John Collins or whoever you know else they were talking about. And so he was kind of skeptical of like Shaden Sharp and like, are they really trying to win now on my timeline? Shaden won him over over the course of the season. And now Dame is totally sold on Shaden as like a future star. But I think it would be a pretty tough sell, especially since they moved. They first of all, they, you know, they wasted another year of Dame's prime and, you know, with him coming back from the surgery and being as good as he was this year. And they had the good luck to move up in the lottery, which in Dame's mind, like, you have the number three pick in a draft that is seen as a three-player draft. That mm-hmm. can get you some stuff, especially if, you know, because, like, the rumor right now is that Charlotte is actually looking at Brandon Miller at number two. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's what people are saying. Like, like, that's what's been reported. That's also, like, I've talked to folks. I've been in Chicago all week at the Combine, and that's what uh, has been, you know, that that's kind of the idea, the general. Obviously, this could all be posturing, and they could end up going with Scoot Henderson. But the, the 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 feel right now around the league is that there's a good chance that Charlotte is in is looking at Brandon Miller pretty seriously. If that happens, if Scoot Henderson is there at three, and by most people's consensus is the second best player in the draft besides Victor Wembanyama, the Blazers are in a pretty good spot because they can hold a bidding war for that pick. And maybe you can get like Mikhail Bridges or Pascal Siakam or you know somebody of that caliber, which I think is where they're sort of looking when we're talking about them trading the pick. So before we talk about specific trade targets with the third pick, how good do you think this team needs to be in the next couple of years to justify trading the pick? Or is that like the wrong way to think about this? I mean, you have Dame under contract for four more years going into his mid-30s, but still playing at an all-NBA level. I think you would hope that they get to being at least a conference finals team at some point in that time, if not better. That seems like a lot, but I think where they would push back and where I think people, you know, on a lot of, you know, not just people within the Blazers organization, but people in other organizations that are kind of in similar spots. There is no Kevin Durant Warriors in the West anymore. And I know it's even kind of a cliche that like the West is wide open and all this stuff, but, you know, uh, Memphis, you know, they were the two seed, but, you know, with, you know, all the jaw stuff. And then they also have like other, you know, Brandon Clark is one of like their core young guys just had a torn Achilles. You don't know how he's going to be when he comes back like that. There's question marks there. The Clippers Mm kind of might be nearing the end of their run. Phoenix is a mess. Like they just fire their coach and they have a new owner and they are trying to trade Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton like that. You don't obviously have Durant and Booker, but Durant's older. You don't know what that situation is. Sacramento's on the come up. Uh, New Orleans has a whole bunch of questions. That was a team early on in the season. I think the last time I was on with you guys was like the, towards the beginning of the season when Portland and New Orleans were like the two best teams in the West. Like, <laughs> yeah, but right, New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans also missed the play in. 
or they missed the playoffs rather. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Dallas is a mess, even though they have Luca. That's a kind of a disaster situation right now. Oklahoma City's on the come up. They might still be a year or two away. Utah's on the come up. They might still be a year or two away. You go through the list of teams outside of Denver. You know, even the Lakers being in the conference finals, LeBron is 30, he'll be 39 next season. And, you know, he's still really good, but he's not, you know, the LeBron that he was five years ago. If you're Portland, you know, they're good. They have Dame still. They There's no reason to think he's not going to keep playing at this level for at least another couple of years. They're going to re-sign Jeremy Grant, who was a great fit around Dame last year after they brought him in. They think Shaden Sharp can take another leap. If you trade the third pick for another legit guy, they feel like, you know, you have a shot at making a run. And, mm -hmm. you know, you brought up the the 2011 Mavs earlier. They feel like, and I know Dame, this is something Dame has, you know, said before, and this is a comparison that he's made, but, like, why can't he be 2011 Dirk if they, you know, get the right guys and, you know, catch the right breaks? That's kind of, that's, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that. I'm just telling you how people around the organization feel about, you know, how, you know, how, what, how they see how things could go in the best case scenario. Okay, so let's play a game. I'm going to give you the name of an NBA player, okay. and you will tell me yes or no as to whether it would be worth trading the third pick for that player. We're just now, doing this is just, this is just this is within the context of Portland's situation. We're not just talking about like player value in a vacuum because there are guys that you can say yes. talent-wise they're worth the third pick, but uh yeah, like Trey Young wouldn't make sense. No, absolutely not. For Zach Levine yeah. either. That's a Yeah. Um so Obviously, other pieces would likely be involved in any trade. We're just focusing on the main piece that would be coming back in a trade for that third pick. Just to, and, I think it's going to be Simons in the third pick, whatever the trade ends up okay. being. That's, that's, I, I think it's going to be some iteration of that. If they have to throw in like other salary or Nurkic or whatever, I think they knew, and I'm, I guess this is something that, you know, we're probably going to get to at some point, but just for the sake of this exercise, because this is what the trades would look like, they kind of knew going into the second half of the season that they were going to have to decide between Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp as a long-term guy to have around Dane. And I think over the last month of the season, Shaden kind of made that decision for them. Hmm. So I think it's eventually whatever the trade ends up being, it's going to be Simons and three for somebody. Okay. So here's my list, and I'm, I'm starting with the ones that are like probably an obvious yes, but I'm going to give you their age next season and then how many years they have left on their contract. Okay. So first up, Joel Embiid, 29 years old, four years left with a player option the fourth year. If you can get Embiid, you throw everything at them. You throw the third pick, Simon Sharp, all the future picks. That's that's a, Embiid and Giannis are the two where it's like you throw whatever you have to throw. Okay, that's a, that's a great start. Uh, Mikel Bridges, 27 years old, three years left, no player option. I think he would be their first choice. I know he would be Dame's first choice. Okay. Hmm. Uh, that's good to know. Uh, Jalen Brown, 27 yes. years old, expiring contract. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pascal Siakam, 29 yes. years old, expiring contract. Okay. Uh, Bradley Beal, 30 no. years old. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, 28 no. years. Okay. Uh, OG Ananobi, 26 no. years old. They like him, not for the third pick. Right. And final one, uh, Paul George, 33. That's an interesting one because he fits the archetype of like exactly the kind because I mean, you can you can kind of see the, you know, the trend of like the ones that I said yes to from their end were like Mikhail Bridges and Pascal. C like they want what they basically need because like the Jeremy Grant trade that they made last year 
was a home run in terms of like the fit that he it has around Dame, the skill set that he brings. You know, you need the guy. They they kind of figured out that the kind of guys that you need are you know big athletic wings that can defend. You basically they need more Jeremy Grants, which is why like a Siakam or a Bridges or a Jalen Brown is somebody that they're looking at. Paul George, I think, fits that mold. I I think the injury stuff would be the one thing that would be a concern there. But as far as like what he is still as a player when he's healthy, I think that would be something they would look at if that's an option. Kawhi, no, because the health stuff is just way too much of a, you know, you don't know what, what that, like that, that he probably will never be able to play more than like half a season again. Yeah. But you guys, you guys are, you guys are in the right idea. Bradley Beal, absolutely not. Zach Levine, absolutely not. I can tell you that that type of thing is not really what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Paul George, if they the trade for Paul George, I and mean, Paul George would just continue the trend of just like getting like some pretty major assets for Paul George in trade. Well, I mean, that, they, that'd be they, quite a trade. They, they could have done package. that in 2017. They could have done it in 2017. Damon, you know, Paul George, when he was trying to get out of Indy, like there was a yeah. possibility that he would go to Portland. Neil wouldn't put CJ on the table. Hmm. Yikes. Okay, the Blazers. <laughs> Could make multiple big big moves this summer, and one of the assets that is currently in limbo is their future first rounders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago owns their 2024 lottery protected first, which carries over until 2028. How easy or difficult do you think it would be for Portland to renegotiate those pick protections with Chicago? Everything that I've heard from people in the Blazers front office is that they're not worried about it they feel like if they have to do something with the bulls to get future picks they'll be able to i don't know what that would look like i think the most obvious form of that would probably be the number 23 pick that they got from the knicks in the josh hart trade where they could just say we'll give you this pick and you give us our own pick back i don't know if that's necessarily a lock that that happens because I think they might want to keep that 23rd pick and use it on somebody, especially if they're going to trade the pick, you, 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 especially with the new CBA and all the weird, like, you know, the new luxury tax stuff. You want to have at least some younger talent on cost-controlled contracts. So you might want to, if you have a mid-first-round pick, and especially now that they have Mike Schmitz in the front office, that it's a very draft-focused front office now. So, like, I, I could see them wanting to keep that pick if they trade the third pick. So I think it's a possibility that, you know, they... Maybe instead of offering them that pick, they offer them, you know, a pile of second rounders for their pick back or one second rounder to change the the protections instead of from 2028 to 2025 or something like that. But mm-hmm. I will also say this. I think moving up from five to three makes it less likely that they have to do that, because if they stayed at five, you know, generally speaking, outside of Wemby, most draft evaluators feel like it's. Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off. And actually, when I was in the lottery room, I was asking uh, somebody in a front office from another team who I know after Portland moved up to three what they think the value of the third pick is around the league. And this person said that the value of the third pick is a hell of a lot, the direct quote, a hell of a lot higher than the fourth pick. So Hmm. if they had stayed at five or moved back to six or seven, then in order to get any of these types of guys we're talking about, like Jalen or Siakam or whoever, you would have to throw in a bunch of future picks. If you have the third pick in a three-player draft, and especially the where, again, with Charlotte moving up, the 
feel is that it's possible that the guy that most people think is the second best player in the draft is going to be there at three, you might not need future picks to get one of these guys because at that point, instead of it being you traded, you know, whichever of these teams is trading a guy for a bunch of future picks, like there was that, there was that, you know, report at the deadline that Memphis offered four first round picks for Mikel Bridges and Brooklyn said no. Mm-hmm. What are four Memphis first round picks five years out or whatever doing for you if you're Brooklyn? That doesn't really like that's a little bit of a different thing than we have the third pick in this draft where we know exactly which players are going to be there. At that point, it becomes more of a Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love type of situation where you know the asset, right. you know the player that you're getting, and that it's more of that kind of decision. And so I think moving up to three makes it more likely that they'll be able to get what they need to get done done without dipping into future picks and at that point they might as well just let chicago keep the pick as is and then assuming they make the playoffs next year they just convey the pick that way anyway okay sean final question you've covered the blazers for a while Uh Uh, you mentioned earlier how keeping the pick and going young isn't a guarantee of anything who was the blazers draft pick that you were convinced was going to be a star at the time but didn't pan out uh do we out Rudy Fernandez as yeah I think that's the one yes he made the dunk contest over Russell Westbrook I he think did. yeah I I I think he I think he's the one because I'm so I'm, I'm trying to think like who even the other draft picks would be that because they haven't really had like since Dame they haven't really had a lot of like, yeah that's true you know they've either you know drafted in the twenties, and so then at that point you can't really expect anybody that you draft to be a star. I'm, although I guess Anthony Simons is sort of like in the tier below that, but he's ended up being pretty good. But yeah, I would say Rudy Fernandez is the one. That's a great answer. Yeah, I love Rudy. Yeah, that is a great answer. <laughs> no, he had that. Yeah. Well, he had that back injury in his rookie year. Remember, we had he went up for a dunk, and Trevor Ariza kind of knocked him to the ground. He was never the same after that. Hmm. What about Jared Bayless? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he had, and he had a few games. Like there was that, there was that stretch during his rookie season where Steve Blake was out for a while and Bayless was starting at point guard. And uh, yeah, he he had like a couple games in a row where he had thirty points, and people were pretty excited about him. I still see Jared Bayless jerseys at games occasionally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Go read Sean at rosegardenreport.com and go listen to the Rose Garden Report podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. 
David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Al, it's time to talk about the Detroit Pistons, and the only person that I would ever bring on the show to talk about the Pistons is my guy, James Edwards III. He covers the Pistons for us here at The Athletic. James, what's up, man? Nothing much. Thank you guys for having me on, as I say every time. I think I'm. this is my third time, maybe fourth. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah. I love this pod, so uh, <laughs> anytime I get the, the message from Andrew to do this, I'm always on, so I appreciate you guys having me again. Love it. Uh, James, it was not a great night for the Pistons on lottery night, who fell as far as they could fall down to the fifth pick. You had an opportunity to be in the room when the ping pong balls were picked. Uh, why did you decide not to go in the room, um, and do you think your absence is the reason the Pistons fell? <laughs> Great question. Um, some well, one, and I love the athletic, but we had like fifty writers in there already, <laughs> so I didn't want to like. I felt like there was little need for me to be in there. And two, yeah. like if if they got number one, I got work to do. I don't have time to sit for an hour and a half without my phone. Like I just got in the computer. I have stuff to do. So um, I figured that Fred, Mike, Kelly and somebody else was in there would all be fine painting the picture of what the lottery room looked like i didn't feel like i needed to be in there so i was in the 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 production room like what everybody sees on tv i was in the audience for that and yeah everything was chalk up until pick five and when the pistons card came up from mark tatum the whole room gasped yeah the entire room and there's probably like 99 percent of people in there like don't have any rooting interest in the pistons like the one percent is the employees that were in there but everybody gasped yeah it was wild (laughs) Uh, not wild it was expected but like i don't know it was expected it was the high it was the most likely outcome oh that's true yeah but yeah i mean i mean true but still i mean yeah you would think but it's like a coin it was like a coin flip though right Technically, like, like, yeah, it's like a coin like flip. Like a little between, over a coin flip, yeah. Yeah, for like five, pick five and then somewhere in the top four. I think it's yeah. the fifth pick was like 47% and the rest was mm-hmm. like 52%. So it's a coin flip, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was telling somebody 
I was talking to a lot of people. Just the juju didn't feel right this year. Yeah. And you kind of, like, I don't know, you, you kind of have a sense when it might happen. And I thought when they got it with Cade that it was going to happen. The young team, they didn't win a lot of games, but they played hard. Uh, they didn't, like, really tank. They just had a lot of young guys. And this year when Cade got injured, which was basically the whole year, they just, like, mailed it in. So you just never kind of felt like the juju was right. The basketball gods weren't going to reward that. So before we get into specific prospects that could be available at five, what do you think are the biggest needs for this current Pistons roster? They need another wing. Um, they need a wing, and, and Troy Weaver talked about it at his end of season press conference. Another defensive minded wing who can shoot, three and D guy. Um, they have Isaiah Livers, young guy. This will be his third year, um, but they need another one. And they have an opportunity, I think, in this draft to get one, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I mean, the backcourt, assuming. Ivy and Cade are what many, especially Cade, are what many people think. They're set there. Um, everybody knows about the front court jokes, so I think they're pretty set in the front court going forward. It's just kind of figuring out the wing and, and trying to get one more like blue chip prospect there. How are Pistons fans feeling about the Sadiq Bay trade today? Um, honestly, I mean there are. It's to contextualize it. I think a lot of the frustration with the bay trade was like during these down years for his up and down and as he's a good solid nba player he is flawed but he brought some of the excitement amid the losing so like he had the 51 point game he had a couple game yeah. winners like so i think people got attached to him i think when you take a step back and you realize and you look at it from a basketball perspective the pistons it sounds like what Sadiq wanted financially was not really what the Pistons saw him as. And if they had a chance to take a swing on Wiseman, why not? Like, I mean, I think there are fans who are just like, don't believe in Wiseman. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. But I don't think anybody thinks mm -hmm. that like they let a future all-star get away with Sadiq for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's assume that Wimby, Scoot, and Brandon Miller are off the board. As of today, how would you rank that next group of prospects as far as like potential fit with the Pistons? I think Cam Whitmore naturally makes sense. Athletic. I mean, him and Ivy and Duran in that starting lineup would be very interesting from an athleticism standpoint. Yeah. Can shoot the ball at the college level. Um, just jumps out of the gym. Defensively, I, he has work to do, but I don't think he's like a bad defender. Um, Eamon Thompson, again, another athletic freak. Great defensive upside, has struggled to shoot, but I think it should be reminded that in overtime elite, they do use the NBA three-point line. So um, maybe there's a he's ahead of the curve in, in regards to maybe somebody like Whitmore, who was a better shooter in college, but the line's different. So we'll see there. But he is a lead ball handler, and I don't know necessarily if the Pistons want to uh, – develop another lead ball handler that's not scoot so mm -hmm. that one i have questions about uh i like jerace walker a lot i see him kind of more as a natural four but i think he can play some three uh great defender i think he's about exactly the things the pistons want their players to be about um and then who's the other one i think anthony black is another one that could be interesting because i think he could play three in the nba mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the sh shot has to come along, but I mean, everything else is like checks all the boxes. So I think the Pistons, if they keep the pick, those will be one of those guys will be 
heading to the Motor City. So we're entering Troy Weaver's fourth season as Pistons GM. Mm-hmm. Pistons have won 60 games total during those three seasons. How much pressure do you think there is on that front office to win next season? And what do you think would qualify as significant progress? I think that's the big question, right? Like how antsy is ownership starting to get? Are they understanding the situation? I know that when Troy took the job, he explained and they all kind of came to the agreement that this was going to take some time. I don't know if people remember, I mean, Pistons fans remember, but the the broader audience, the Pistons had absolutely no assets whatsoever when Troy and them took over. Um, the their three best players, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin at the time, those three brought back Detroit, Brandon Knight, John Henson, Thon Maker, and Cap Space. Like that's the level of assets that they had. They had Luke Kennard, who good player, but like you're you're not going to get a ton for Luke Kennard. So yeah, there's just like it was starting from below ground zero. And I know Pistons fans are starting to get antsy, primarily because the team hasn't won a playoff game in 15 years. But to me, that like has nothing to do with Troy and his crew. Like they're actually rebuilding. The others before them were trying to win on the fly and just never could. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Detroit's building it the right way now. Um, and it, if we're being honest, it's it could be a lot worse. Like they've been like thoroughly rebuilding for three years and they've already got a number one pick like that's not that doesn't happen to a lot of teams Um, I still think Cade's going to be a great player I know people seem to be uh, bullish on that just because he's been out of sight out of mind but I mean I think people forget that going into that draft he was considered like one of the more complete prospects in quite some time and I Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen photos but he's bulked up a lot Um, I I mean yeah, they didn't get Wimbenyama, but a healthy Cade with an extra 20 pounds might be a pretty good consolation prize. So in terms of like pressure, I don't know. I I would hope there's not a ton just from like a just thinking logically because it, it started from ground zero. Um, they have interesting young players. They've made they've had five guys make all rookie in three years and only two of those were top five picks. So three of them came 12 or later. Uh, they have they have cap space. Like I, I still think they're building it the right way. It's just the age old question is how patient can people be? Yeah, because I was thinking about like if they do draft someone like Cam Whitmore comes in, he could potentially start on the wing. Mm-hmm. They'll likely have at least four starters who are twenty two or under. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think the front office is comfortable with taking another nineteen or twenty year old prospect in a season where they're trying to maybe turn the corner, or do you, and does that make a trade more likely if they're not comfortable? I think a trade is more likely this year than any year before. It just kind of depends on what's out there. I do think that they like guys that will be available at five, no question. But I do think they want to try to show progress, and they have enough young guys that this fifth pick in this draft I don't think will absolutely like devastate you five years from now if you pass out, pass mm-hmm. out or trade out of it. Of course, could be wrong. But um, I think they have enough young guys that if somebody – comes along with an offer for a a good I don't think you can get a great player with number five in this draft like a like a great player that's not a rookie uh or soon to be rookie but like if somebody comes with like a good to really good player uh for number five somebody falls in love with Eamon Thompson or Cam Whitmore um and you can capitalize on it, I think they will I, I do but what about tell. someone like OG like is that the kind of range oh, that would be of perfect player? yeah I think that would be 
perfect. Uh, I wonder though that that feels like if Portland that feels like a Portland trade waiting to happen. Um, I wonder though, like I I did a piece the other day where I offered trades to coworkers and like, could the Pistons go get Pascal Siakam one year left on his deal? Trade Bogey Burks pick number five and pick thirty one. Like, is that enough? Um, R.J. Barrett, the Knicks could use some future draft capital. Trade five, give him bog- uh, Bogey, give him a shooter, uh, give him something else, and maybe you can get R.J. Barrett. You think the Pistons um, would trade for R.J. Barrett? I don't. I think maybe. I think he like solves a lot of issues. Like I think you can play him at the three, another ball handler, and he defends his ass off. I think so. If you like him more than anybody in the draft, or at least you think you can, he can take you that help take you to the next level. At the end of the day, it hinges on Cade. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I tossed that one. The Nick, Fred Katz liked the trade. He said he'd do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. Either one of us are idiots. Yeah, yeah, that would be but, really intriguing. Would I you be against think- it, or do you like it for the Pistons? Yeah. Oh, I would hate it for the Pistons. Okay. <laughs> I would not want to do that. I would not want you, to do that. You'd rather have five than RJ? I'd rather have five. Okay. Just because I, I think that there are players... Obviously, this draft is so interesting because I think past three, everybody is so flawed. Yes. And so at that point is, do you trust your front office enough to find the guy? Because there's going to be two or three guys. Like one of these guys from... Four to twelve is going to yes. be an all star. It's yeah. going. It's going to happen. You're, and you're so, right. can they find that guy? Because I'm not sure if RJ Barrett can be an all star. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but I guess my counter to the to that would be. I think Cade and Ivy could be. Yeah. And you just don't want if, three. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you still want three. Yeah, you only want two. You're right. <laughs> How dare you have three? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I mean, well, well, that Knicks trade also got Detroit a future first too, if that helps, but probably not. Um, uh, I mean, that does help. Yes. Yeah. 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 That does help. I'm trying to think who else was who else did I throw out there? Uh, who else did I try? I tried to trade. Uh, I tried to get Jabari. I tried to give the Rockets number five. For Jabari Smith. Uh-huh. Kelly said absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if I don't know if the Rockets front office would agree with that, but I don't know what the hell the Rockets are doing. Anyway, what ne- yeah, we can, next question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's hard to gauge the value it of, is. of that kind of pick. And I think it comes down to like I I, I think there's a world where like somebody really highly values like Eamon Thompson. Or Cam mm-hmm. Whitmore. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. One of them probably won't yeah. be there at five, but one of them will. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Huh. Uh, one of the side effects of dropping to five was an increase in the Pistons cap space. Keith Smith tweeted out the out this post-lottery that the Pistons cap space increased from $25.5 million to $29.7 million. Uh, That is right around where people expect Jeremy Grant's new contract to land. And you've been putting out there little nuggets about Jeremy Grant, you know, possibly coming back to the Pistons. Do you think that's viable this summer? Uh, I know that the Pistons were interested in finding out if they could bring him back. I would assume we all know people talk. 
I would assume the Pistons know by now if it's possible. Uh, I know that they had interest in bringing him back. Him and Troy are still very close, uh, despite the fact that he was traded. Like I think that was more like a let's get Jeremy to a winning team um, and maybe we can get him back down the line, help him get paid, and get draft picks. I, I They're very close still. So, yes, I do think it is possible. I, I'm not going to say I know for sure it's going to happen. They might already know for sure if it's going to happen. I, I do know that he was on high on the list of guys that they wanted to try to get that they felt like they could get for sure. Boy, that would be such a major blow to the Blazers, right? Yeah, it would. The Blazers just need to tear it down anyway. Like James, don't say that. We just had a 30-minute conversation with Sean Hyken all about this. Was he Sean, saying no, keep Dame? Yeah, yes. no, keep Dame. I, yeah, that's because he's I'm from with, Portland. I'm with, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, James. I, I think that if you can get Scoot Henderson, like just with Shaden Sharp, just do that. The Pistons yeah. will, yeah, like the Pistons will give you five too if you want to give them a signing trade with Jeremy or something. I don't know. Actually, no, they won't. I'm just making stuff up. But there's <laughs> nope. You already yeah. said it. You already offered it. No, they wouldn't. Know <laughs> yeah. it. I actually, I was thinking because I offered, I offered quick five and Bojan, uh huh. For three, and he told me to get away, and I was like, I had to offer it. Yeah, uh, that's but yeah, yeah. they have no interest in Bogdanovich if they trade Dame. But yes, blow it up, Portland. You're not just do it. This is the perfect time to do it. Like we all love Dame, we all love Dame in Portland, but it's not going to work. You guys all tried it long enough. It's fine. You, we respect the effort. Now, yeah, you have a great opportunity to rebuild. Do it. And you got lucky, and you like As moved shit. up into into like a really good draft and you yes. have a chance to draft what could be a really really good player especially if the hornets screw this up and don't draft scoot henderson mm-hmm. man i would just be i would honestly what i would do is i would take him i would see how it works with he and dame dame is still going to have value yeah. in the season yeah he's had his just, best season yeah just like go figure it out maybe maybe scoot can play next year i mean i don't yeah. know i'm with you the, the one the idea pick. that sean brought up though that I actually would be interested in is the idea of Mikel Bridges just because he's younger, he's locked up for like multiple years. If they could swing a deal where they got Bridges and someone on the Nets, I would at least understand it. I just sure whatever. I'm not. Like I'm, for, I'm out on that too. <laughs> for like entertainment purposes, yeah, like I, I like it. But do we all think? Like, I don't think that makes the Blazers like title contenders. Like I'm not. I don't think any differently of the Blazers than I did of them with Jeremy Grant. To be honest with you, like going into the season, I like Mikel Bridges, but like, I don't know, man. I guess I also wouldn't give up three for Mikel Bridges if Scoot's there. Yeah, personally. Yeah, but that I get it. Well, that was a great bookend to our conversation with Sean Hyken. Uh, James just shot it all down. Uh, okay, James, it's time Sorry, to Sean. play Andrew versus the Beat, and this is a special edition because this is the Pistons Draft Edition. These are all trivia Ooh. questions about Pistons drafts. Oh. Okay. I lost last time. I need to win. Uh, so all, the, all these questions will be related mm. to Pistons draft picks in some way. Uh, so, James, to start us off, you just have to pick a number between one and eight. Let's do five. Question number five. Jalen Dern grabbed 595 rebounds during his rookie season. Who was the last Pistons draft pick 
to grab at least that many rebounds in their rookie season. Andre? That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. So somebody post Andre. Is that right? Or maybe did Andre not do it? He just said incorrect. Oh, boy. Um, I think I know who it is. Is it beef stew? Damn it. Andrew, that is incorrect. Oh. The correct answer was Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe. <laughs> oh, no. oh. Greg Monroe. Yeah, Drummond, it... he had like around 500. Okay. Because um, Greg, Greg Monroe, Monroe was before. Like Greg Monroe's 2011? Yeah, he was. It's been a while. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. It was, I almost said Monroe, but I didn't. I guess he probably did play more minutes than Andre's rookie year. All right, Andrew, uh, you have control of the board. Uh, number one. Question number one. Who has scored the most total points for the Pistons since Troy Weaver took over as GM? The most total points since he's taken over as GM. Oh, my word. This feels like such a trick question. Is it Killian Hayes? Andrew? Most total points. Not least. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, that is incorrect. <laughs> Let's edit that. <laughs> no, no, that's staying in. Uh, Andrew, that is incorrect. Okay. It was I a get, guess, though. I get to it steal it? Uh, yes, James, you have a chance to steal for one point. Sadiq. That is correct. It was Sadiq Bay, and it wasn't particularly close either. Uh, okay, James, the board is yours. Lucky number seven, because I'd feel bad about my Killian joke. There are two former Pistons draft picks still playing in the playoffs. Can you name them both? One point per correct answer. Uh, oh, my god! You said two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, KCP, and you, KCP and Bruce Brown. That is correct. Yeah. Wow. For both points. Wow, wow, All wow. right, Andrew, uh, you're next on the board. Do not choose number six. Uh, number three. Question number three. Who was the Pistons' first-round pick the last time they didn't have a pick in the lottery? The last time they didn't have a pick in the lottery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this Sekou Dimboya? Good job. Andrew, that is absolutely correct. It was Sekou yes. Dimboya. Very good. Very good, Andrew. Gosh, uh, Sekou's already a trivia question. <laughs> I answered a Sekou. trivia question. You know, poor I was going to do... Uh, a trivia question with his nickname because I didn't know his nickname was Captain Cook. Um, did you know I that? Didn't know that? No, I did not. Captain no. Cook? Oh, really? I didn't no. do it because I was like, James probably knows this. this is probably too easy. <laughs> I never heard that one. <laughs> Captain Cook. Okay, uh, James, uh, the board is yours. And it is four. currently three to two. James is in the lead by one. Four. Question number four. 2020 draft pick Killian Hayes is one of 11 players who led his team in both total assists and total steals last season. We're going to try to name the other 10 players who did that. So how this works is James will give me an answer, then Andrew will give me an answer, and we'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So this is a player who led his team in both total assists and total steals. Um, 
Drew Holiday. That is correct. Andrew. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Andrew, that is incorrect. Oh, no. Yeah, Giddy was uh, the assist. Um, Durr. Any other names you want to throw out, James, just for fun, just to rub it in? Um, uh, Darren Fox. That's a good one. Also incorrect. Oh, Sabonis had more incorrect? assists. Sabonis had more assists. Chris Paul. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I am so bad at this. That's a uh, tough Chris, one. Chris Paul is correct. Uh, Luca is one. Luca. Um, really? Anthony Edwards. Uh, Markel Fultz. Jimmy Markel Butler. Fultz. Paul George, which kind of blew my mind because he was out for a lot of the season. Uh, yeah. Trey Jones for the Spurs. Marcus Smart okay. for the Celtics. And of course, Andrew, you should have gotten this one because he was a trivia question a few months ago. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal from yeah, the I, w- I would not have remembered that. You should have that, gotten Those that were one. actually really hard names. Those are some really hard names that's in there. A, that's a good one. That's tough. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I thought that was fun. Uh, Andrew, I think you actually... Lost that one. Okay. Andrew. I, I chose number one already. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, well then choose number two. Do I not get a point for that? Yeah, you did. You got two okay. points. It's five to two. Sorry, um, that question where I screwed up threw me off because I'm <laughs> looking for another question to ask you. I have one now, okay. but okay. So, Andrew, you can choose uh, two, six, or eight. Number two. Number two. Killian Hayes, James Wiseman, and Isaiah Stewart are all eligible for rookie extensions this summer. Who was the last Pistons draft pick who signed their second contract with Detroit? That's a great question. Oh my word! Sign their second, huh? I feel like I gotta dig deep. <laughs> Was it Drummond? There you go. That is correct, Andrew. For two points, it is now five to four, <sighs> with two questions remaining: number six and number eight. Number eight. Rest in peace, Kobe. Question number eight. Former Pistons draft pick Darko Milicic did not get a lot of playing time in Detroit, but did get a couple of shots elsewhere. In fact, he once appeared in 80 games during a season for this franchise. Darko's career is kind of like forgotten because of what happened in Detroit and who's picked after him, but he like played like 10 seasons. He did. Yes. Um, people forget that. He made some appearances on my fantasy teams. You you held out hope. Uh, he he had some crazy stat lines. I believe with it. a certain team. I will not bring them up because I don't want to influence your answer. It's either it's one of these two teams. One is currently playing. One is also in the Midwest. Minnesota. That is where he put up all the crazy stat lines, but that is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. I know where it is. Then Darko played eighty games in a season. <sighs> so. Because I can speak freely. I think it's either Memphis or Orlando, but I don't know which one. Because mm. I think he was, Orlando was his second landing spot, I think. Then I remember him ripping the Memphis jersey during a game. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I just don't know which one it is. I will say... I'll go Orlando. Andrew, that is correct, which ties the game. 
Going into our final question, which is the question that I had to redo on the spot. (laughs) Oh, conspiracy time. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Andrew, you're going to get first dibs. I mean, this is your question. Okay. Yeah. So you'll start with it. Okay. You can't lose twice in a row. Are you ready, Andrew? Yeah. How many three-pointers did Hamadou Diallo make this season? And you get to choose who answers first. You can make James answer first. Oh, my word. How many did he make? How many did he make? Or you can answer first, and then uh, James would go higher or lower. And whoever wins this wins the week. Because it is 46. 46. I have actually have no idea. I have Andrew no just clue. said that Hamadou Diallo hit 46 threes this season. James, would you like to go higher or lower? Lower. It's single digits. It is single digits. It's single digits? <laughs> it's That's why, yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. He had a great year because he stopped shooting threes. <laughs> but that's like a... I had to 46. watch every single game. Like, that's a tough one for you. Like He took threes in OKC. Yeah, he stopped this year and he like had like a 900 true shooting percentage. Wow, <laughs> Andrew, that how was... many, what's the most threes do you think he's hit in a season? You just said 46. I have, yeah, I, obviously it's much lower with the uh, condescending tone that you have. <laughs> it's a, it's about half. It's 28. Really? Which he, which he did uh, in the, the season he got traded to Detroit. You're thinking of attempts probably as maybe the frustration nope i'm not nope i'm just a big idiot you thought you thought he was a, a sharpshooter you thought he was a sniper I didn't out he was a sharpshooter i just thought that he was taking like two threes a game like most guys that play on the wing take two threes a game yeah sorry i did not watch a lot of detroit pistons basketball this year well james you won the week six to uh, five congratulations what a thank what a you win. thank uh, you i lost man. last time redeemed myself tiebreaker ahead some point uh i was only off by 41 threes <laughs> so there's that uh please go read james edwards at the athletic also if you are into podcasts and you're listening to a podcast right now which means you're into podcasts you should go listen to the bun and cardigan show i listen to it it's a great show it's very fun you should go listen to it especially right now it's draft time you know there's a lot of interesting pistons things going on can also hear uh james's co-host just feel really sad about getting the fifth pick it's great it's great stuff so it's a lot of shenanigans to it yeah so many shenanigans it's good stuff uh thank you james thank you guys really appreciate it thanks again to sean hyken and james edwards the third for joining the podcast if you leave us a five-star review and just talk about slam and jam somewhere within it uh, we will read it on the podcast so please do that you guys have a great weekend enjoy the basketball and we will talk to you guys again next week